how do they do it all they take the road less traveled and that becomes a source of inspiration to everybody else in this podcast i want to acknowledge and thank our knowledge partners the society for human resources management which is the voice of everything which is important in the world of work our other knowledge partner is tagged that is t a g g d a digital ready platform that makes talent acquisition on demand a reality and me i am abhijit bhadri i work with organizations and leaders on their leadership talent and culture this is just the subject of a book that i've recently written which is called dreamers and unicorns i also coach individuals who are navigating shifts in their career my guest today is rani mani who is the head of global employee advocacy at arobi and she helps teams with influencer relationships she is very passionate about cultivating and nurturing communities and she works across the adobe teams to drive understanding excitement and advocacy among the global workforce in order to ensure that employees become the company's greatest brand ambassadors her deep knowledge of the adobe influencer marketing program and her work with influencers and employees to build the brand value and love for its brand is unparalleled On a personal note, Rani describes the time she spent with Mother Teresa in Kolkata as a volunteer as an experience that completely shaped her point of view about the world. Anyone who knows Rani is aware of her deep obsession with milk chocolate with nuts and which I think is a great metaphor that will make sense to you at the end of this conversation that we are having today. So without any further ado, Rani, welcome to this conversation of Dreamers in Unicorns 2.0. The chocolates are by far more interesting, especially when we're talking about milk chocolate with nuts, right? Um, ah. But that's what I need to lure, lure the employees, Abhijit. We need some, some, some sort of carrot for the employees, right? And chocolate does the trick, always does the trick. So, um, how did this role come to you, and uh, how have you uh, sort of shaped this role uh, in terms of the kind of work that you've done? So advocacy has been something that's been alive and well for years now. Um, specifically at Adobe, it's caught on steam over the last four or five years that I've been in the role. And basically, it's about mobilizing employees across the company to be the company's biggest champions, right? To talk about the company, to uh, evangelize on behalf of the company. mostly on social media but it can be done offline as well and there are many many people who naturally do it because they love the company they're proud of the company and we then add fuel to the fire if you will and we try to equip them with curated content we give them best practices on how to do this on social media specifically uh, we help shape the storytelling 
right? So basically we um, help empower them to be even better than they already are. So essentially it's leaning into what they're already doing and helping them do it even better. Um, many organizations worry about, uh, you know, uh, what if the employee talks about something which, uh, you know, is still is going to impact the stock price or it's not something that they know enough about. How do they make sure that the employee is not doing all of that? Here's the reality, right? The statistics are like uh, 96% of employees, not specific to Adobe, but everywhere, are at le- on at least one social media platform. And of that 96%, 50% are talking about their companies, right? So people are doing it, whether you endorse it or not. And essentially, I say, if they're going to go off the rails and they're going to do something to tank the stock or do something that you would not be proud of, you have a personnel issue, right? You have a hiring problem. You don't have an advocacy problem. So I I really believe the way to do it is you have some solid guidelines that you present, but those are guidelines that should be there when you hire someone, right? It's not unique to this. It's not unique to the actual role or program of advocacy. Um, And and the other thing too is there's that social norming, right? If one person kind of goes out of line, the rest of the company, the rest of the employees will bring them back into line, if you will, right? That's social conditioning. Sure. So we, we, I personally don't believe in having lots of rules and regulations around say this, don't say that, because ultimately when you do that, you take away from the authenticity and the believability of the individual. Yeah, then it right? all sounds very scripted. Oh, and it's so transparent. People can see right through that. And you yeah. don't want that, right? You don't want that whatsoever. So, uh, but yeah, I can because... tell you, in my years of doing this, I have yet to uh, need to reprimand anyone. This is just not the kind of worry that most people think it is. So, how does your role get measured? I mean, what are uh, the you know, if the company were to do a year-end evaluation, what are you measured on? So, how many people do you have on the in the program? How active are they? Um, how passionate are they? Um, are they doing it based on extrinsic motivators or intrinsic? Is this based on individual heroics or do you actually have a uh, repeatable, scalable process? Right, that, that's really how it's measured. And then what, what is the reception? What, what kind of end results is this having? on the external community? Are people actually being swayed um, to think of Adobe differently because we have this program? So what does brand sentiment look like? Um, What is our overall perception? Because ultimately, employee advocacy is not only another form of marketing, it's another form of public relations as well, right? So Mm -hmm. a lot of the same kind of reputation type goals we have what is the corporate reputation it is likely that if you talk to your leaders they will tell you about the company's net promoter score or nps net promoter score talks about the number of customers who are willing to say something positive about the company the higher that is the better it is but very few companies put the similar kind of 
effort in trying to find out what the employees have to say about the organization. Employee advocacy can be and should be measured with as much seriousness as customer advocacy or the net promoter score. The reason for that is very straightforward. You remember what Rani said. The employees are on social media anyway, and they are talking about your company anyway. They have the most amount of credibility to talk about what it is like to work in the organization. And if that can be nurtured and put across in a powerful way, that can help the organization not just to get better business, but it builds trust in the brand, which in turn has many other benefits. For example, it encourages talented people to want to work in that organization. So it is something worth investing in. And uh, when you think about, um, you know, this whole thing of uh, the brand, how has that evolved? The concept of a brand, what does it stand for today? If you were, someone were to ask you for a definition, um, what is that? You know, the, the brand is every touch point that an external person has with your company, right? Everything from the website to your customer service representative to the sales cycle, like it's every single touch point um, that anyone has with your product or service. But then in 2020 specifically, that brand has had to be more human than ever before, right? Because here we are going through this world pandemic. People are facing health crisis, financial devastation. So brands without a purpose, brands without humanity are going extinct, basically, right? They're, they're not relevant. And so um, brands, I would say, here in 2020 have had to be more human than ever before. And, yeah, and, and because and this pandemic is not going anywhere, Abhijit, I, I would say that sense of humanity will have to extend far beyond 2020. So in the book, Dreamers and Unicorns, I talk about that, you know, we have to stop thinking of B2B, B2C, and just think about human to human uh, in terms yeah. of the way we engage. Uh, yes. So, uh, and, and, you know, Adobe um, is known for this whole conversation that uh, customers don't buy products or services, they buy experiences. What does it really That's mean? Right. And so what is an experience? Explain that to me. Experiences that end-to-end, -end, like I'm, I, I, I want to talk about experience beyond just the corporate setting, right? What, what is any experience? What, what is any human experience, right? It's, if I were to put that into words, I would say an experience is how you interact with anything in the world, right? So as it pertains to a company, I, mm -hmm. I would say your experience is what, how are you feeling, right? How are you, um, how, how are you actually interacting with an individual? How are you interacting with that product or service? How did it make you feel? What is that emotional connection? Um, and I know, Abhijit, I'm rambling a bit because this is a really, really phenomenal question. Right? It's so nebulous, this concept of experience, because it's not tactical. Right? It's not like mm -hmm. a, not tactical, I meant it's not transactional. 
right? It's, sure, it's sure. kind of encompassing your mind and body and heart, right? So it's it's uh, it's that all-encompassing, how do I feel? What am I saying? What are they saying back to me? And ultimately, my evaluation of that experience is, do I walk away feeling energized or do I mm-hmm. walk away feeling drained? And so it, what, what I hear you saying is that experience design is really about shaping the, um, the feelings that a person has at any touch point and making sure yeah. that the feeling is positive. You know, is exactly. that a good way to summarize? That's a summation of all of that gibberish that I just said. Um, but ultimately, you know, this notion of not just positive, but do you walk away feeling energized? I want more of that, right? That mm-hmm. to me is the whole of the experience. Have I, have I pierced you enough where you feel like, gosh, I'm uplifted? I want to come back for more. Sure, sure. You know, and I I feel good about myself. That's the other thing, right? I feel energized. I feel good about myself. I want more of this. And it's a positive feeling that you're, uh, you know, the brand engagement creates a positive feeling. That's Um, right. Yeah. Um, So what, what then is the role of the uh, influencer? You work with so many of them. And um, my question is that, you know, where does it work better, B2B influencer or B2C? I see, a, I mean, it's B2C, business to consumer influencers, easy to understand that, you know, you have some Instagrammer who says, I use this brand of lipstick and you should do it too. And a lot of people go and buy that. In case of B2B, does it work in the same way or uh, it's a different? I, I would say it works even better. Because again, when you look at the research, decision makers within companies, how do they research what they want to go buy? They're not talking to salespeople, Mm -hmm. right? They're looking at testimonials and reviews and they're going online to do their research. Right. And who is more credible and believable more than actual subject matter experts in that field. Not necessarily executives of the company and certainly not the branded channels that decision makers and purchasing buyers believe you're paid to say this, right? Versus influencers, there really are the neutral third party. They have nothing to gain by falsely endorsing. And that, that isn't to say, Abhijit, that there aren't some influencers out there that are willing to say anything to anybody for anything, right? Like, I mean, you're going to have that no matter what. But for the most part, influencers become an extension of your corporate reputation. It becomes an extension of your marketing and your public relations strategy, right? And, and, I, I, and I think, you know, Jason Falls, I don't know if you know Jason. Jason um, Mm -hmm. has a fantastic podcast called Winfluence, and he's Mm -hmm. got a book out, or he's about to have a book come out. And his assertion is, let's move away from the term influencer, the noun, and, Mm -hmm. and the channel, right? And let's really think about the actual action of influencing, right? How are you Mm -hmm. swinging 
someone to try or buy or consider something? You know, right. are you able to um, actually shape their decision? And, mm-hmm. and that's, what, that's what influencers do the best, right? In terms, again, in this notion of let's get away from B2B and B2C, let's do human to human business. Right. Who's more right. human, right? Who's more human than these names and faces and personalities? And, and so I feel like Abhijit, influencer relations and influence is going to be a very, very serious pillar in brand marketing and brand PR going forward. I don't and think there's you, any way you see that and you see that trend continuing that it's not I, going to go away. No, no, I see it strengthening, right? Mm-hmm. Because right now see people are feeling people are feeling somewhat terrified, right? The, mm-hmm. the, there, there is a sense of uncertainty. There's a sense of uncharted waters. There's a notion of, I don't feel psychologically safe, right? Because of the health crisis and the financial devastation. And so people are craving this human connection and an and opportunity to feel protected. And, you know, and so no, no brand can clinically provide that. You need to have these larger than life personalities, which is what, in, in my mind, influencers really fulfill, right? You, you're relatable. You're my friend, right? And mm. so that, that safety, there's that, uh, there's that connection. And I, I really believe brands who don't leverage that, they're missing out. They're missing out and, because, uh, yeah. And, and this is uh, in some sense a way to, uh, you know, uh, the influencer is one who is building trust uh, in the brand. And they're sort of, it's, in my view, it is really like uh, you go to a new school or college and you have a friend who says, come, let me introduce you to my friends. It's a conversation yes. really in that zone. So I look at it yes. like that. You, you're like the concierge, right? Come, come inside Adobe. You know, let me take you through the lobby and show you the conference rooms and let me be your personal guide, right? And yeah. and, and I love that analogy, Avajit. It's like, I'm your buddy. I'm your, you know, I I will be your Sherpa, if you will, right? To yeah. Show you around. Customers no longer want just the product or service. They are actually paying for the experience. What it means is that the kind of feeling that the brand generates across every single touch point of the product or service constitutes the experience. Most often, people talk about the poor experience or great experience at customer service. But it's not just that. It's everything else as well. And very often, the ignored part of that equation is the experience of the employees. What do they feel when they come to work? And this means that the brand needs to have a real human touch. It involves the leaders building a deep sense of empathy with the employees, as well as the external stakeholders. It means the leaders have to consciously work to shape the company culture. It is to be built on authenticity, whether it is the employees who are the advocates or the influencers. Because at the end of the day, 
your influencers are actually an extension of your corporate reputation. Coming to this whole differentiation between B2B, which is business to business versus business to consumers. So in my view, there is no such difference between B2B or B2C. This is a distinction that will change over the years and expect it to be just simply H2H, which is human to human, in which case the role of the influencer is to be the buddy who shows you around the neighborhood when you join early. I think the brands need to be able to figure out how to build a community. Um, and this yeah. community uh, consists of uh, you know, various stakeholders in the influence, uh, influence system, ecosystem. And what would you uh, advise people who are seeking to go about building that community? Because that's also one part of your role. How do you build this yeah. community of influencers? And of course, you know, beyond that into, um, so tell us about that. I would say first and foremost, it's really investing in what did these, first of all, these are human beings, right? They're not numbers. They're not um, a sum of their audience or anything. This is the number one mistake that I believe most brands make. Abhijit, mm -hmm. thinking about the influencer as some sort of algorithm or thinking about them as a channel for distribution or thinking about them in terms of their audience size, mm -hmm. right? First and foremost, these are human beings. So treat them as such, befriend them, figure out what makes their heart sing. What are they trying to do in the world? How can I support you? How can our brand elevate right? And amplify your voice. And I mm -hmm. tell you, I really believe it's back to like Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people, right? When mm -hmm. you speak to the heart of the person and the person genuinely feels that you and the company have their interests, best interest at heart, then I feel right. like there's this cult-like loyalty. I mean, if you think of our insiders, our Adobe insiders, I right. have all of you on speed dial. I think yep. you all feel equally comfortable calling me and the company. And and there's this sense of camaraderie, but obviously it does not come overnight. It's it's very much like how you cultivate and nurture friendships, right? It right. seems right. awfully simplistic to say, but I, I would say that's the, how do you today, how do you establish a friendship? Establishing mm -hmm. this this community should be nothing different from how do you befriend someone and how do you maintain a friendship? You don't just go to your friend when you need something, right? You check right. on your friend all throughout the year, not just at events, not just when you need a quote. You're checking on their well-being. How can I, you establish a win-win, right? Um, give to get, as I call it. You know, yeah. how can I help you? And then when I need help, you're right there. But the other thing that's very unique about our particular community, I would say, Abhijit, is the sense of camaraderie that you have with one another. I yeah, I was so just going to say that. That, you, yeah. know, I, I, you know, I'm just going to um, segregate and sort of tease apart two different ideas. And because they're so powerful, I think a number of people understand that, uh, the brand needs to build a uh, you know one to one very sharp connect with the um, influencer but i also think that what makes the adobe uh, influencer community different is 
um, I always have a feeling that, you know, um, this in this equation, I receive a lot more than what I give. I honestly feel that way. I mean, you know, so so I think that, and with most other brands, uh, when when you think of, uh, I talk to so many of the influencers, they all say that, you know, uh, it's a very transactional equation that, you know, this is what uh, you are equal to your followers. And, you know, so I'm there because your followers are there with you. I think that's the first mistake. But I think you also sort of brought about something vital, which is the community is built when these people are able to be just as friendly with each other. And that same equation of building each other uh, is done independent of Adobe's presence, you know. So I think yeah. that's really the power of the influencer community. So tell me more about that. Well, that that is what actually lights me up more than anything. I mean, I adore having personal relationships with the individual influencers, and the company very much enjoys that kind of camaraderie. But the notion of connecting you to one another, right? So whether it be just tactically having our Twitter DM group or having an email DL or our monthly happy hours, right? Or when we have group project, uh, you know, kind of doing the matchmaking and saying, oh, Abhijit, you should go talk to Jeff or, you know, whatever that is, right? Right. Having those kind of, you know, somewhat calculated experiences, right? Where we're designing specific experiences when it comes to making sure that you all feel connected to one another. And, and, and the good thing is, I think cultural fit is such a big criteria in the influencers that are being chosen. So mm-hmm. you're not cookie cutters of one another, but you're all kind of made cut from the same cloth, right? So, mm. so I think if I put 65 of you randomly in the streets and place, I think you would naturally aggregate together because you're kind of birds of a feather, right? So I think that has something to do with it as well, right? Like from a brand ethos and culture and uh, just overall human decency perspective, you're all kind of coming from the same kind of background and and, uh, the way you think about things. You all have very unique talents, very unique expertise, but from a human perspective, I feel right. like you're all very much birds of a feather. And so, and, and I think part of it is to just, you know, not being so prescriptive in what needs right. to happen, right? Allowing you to have those relationships, not just allowing, but encouraging. And, uh, wherever possible, becoming like the wind beneath your wing, right, you. Yeah. Think about the influencers as an extension of the employee base, which means put in the same amount of effort as you do when you hire an employee. Put the same amount of effort in hiring the influencers. Because this relationship, if you have to take it beyond something transactional, then you really have to stop measuring the influencers' influence by the number of followers, but measure it more in terms of the fit with the brand and the ethos and the values, all the intangible things that often get ignored. In my mind, when I think about uh, this group of uh, 65 influencers, 
in many ways, there are people I've never met. And yet I have a feeling that if you blindfolded me uh, in a crowd, uh, just by, you know, in some magical way, I'd be able to identify each one of these people uniquely, um, either in terms of the uniqueness of the work, their philosophy, the kind of things that they do. And it's also the human connect that you instantly feel with this group. Uh, and yeah. that's something which it never feels like an office meeting. I mean, it's really like I look forward to it because it's more like a, a meeting of friends. So it's, uh, you know, it's like one of those college reunion things. People are pulling each other's leg. They're laughing. They're crying. They're this. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's an incredible uh, feeling. So I just think it's so true. I do. Um, and the reunion analogy is the best one. Abhijit, I always think of these as family reunions, right? When, when somebody has a beautiful thing happen, like a new newborn baby or whatnot, you know, we all get so excited. Or when there's a death in the family, we're all there, right, to support. Yeah, and yeah. And not, you know, I feel like the work aspect of it is almost like a um, positive consequence, right? Like I think we lead yeah. with the human mm-hmm. factor and everything else just kind of, is extra gravy. And I think that's the difference too. I would just lead with the person and the work and all of those other things will fall into place. I fully agree that, you know, if you, uh, again, back to that whole concept of human to human, if that connect exists, then, you know, work is a natural byproduct. You don't need to ever follow up and say, hey, by the way, I told you to do this. Um, and you haven't. Uh, so I think that's the big difference. So, um, you know, I'm going to sort of ask another last question, which is, what are some ways in which, um, you know, customer experience design and employee experience design, uh, do you see a connection? Is it linked? Because in the book, I talk about that a lot, that, you know, you can't have one without the other. Um, oh, I where agree. do you stand on that? I 100% agree. Two sides of the same coin. Happy employees make for happy customers, right? And if you don't design an extremely powerful employee experience, first of all, people do what they see, right? You you need to be able to model for them. Like one example is um, when I used to be the director of customer support for mm-hmm. social support in Adobe, I would go to our call centers and sit with our agents who were um, handling the tweets or taking, um, you know, the the support questions on Facebook or whatnot, and um, as well as the as as well as the people answering the phones, and you know, call after call or interaction after interaction, I was seeing fantastic results, right? And so this one particular agent, I remember asking him. What, you know, what is it? How do you do this, right? Uh, complaint after complaint, request after request. How do you have the smile on your face? Why are you going above and beyond? And he, it was the most simplistic answer, Abhijit, but it really floored me. He said to me, I do for my customers what my managers do for me. Right? Wow. I do for my customers what my managers do for me. And if that doesn't punctuate 
that employee experience equate to what you deliver for customers? I don't know what does, right? Because he said, you know, my manager makes it a point that I don't have to toggle between five tools. He streamlines this for me. He makes sure that I have everything that I need to be successful. I am empowered to make decisions within a certain monetary value. I don't have to go get approvals, right? Like those kind of things matter. They matter. Yeah, so, yeah. How, how did you uh, prepare yourself for this role? What is, is this, uh, you know, if somebody wants to start their program uh, for employee uh, advocacy in uh, the company, um, yeah. what would they need to do? Well, I, I think it's typically a role that sits within communications. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think an ability to be an influential communicator, right? Can you motivate? Can you influence? Can you rally the troops, right? Because Adobe is 24,000 strong. There's several Mm -hmm. companies, hundreds and thousands bigger than us, right? So it's a matter of can you scale and, you know, can you, it's almost like I call it motivating, you know, it's like, intimacy at scale right can you Hmm. can you actually talk to the individual and by these small pockets of activities that you're doing can you scale it across the company and what can you do to uh, rally and because obviously within the twenty-four thousand, maybe it's a hundred people that are super good at this right that it comes Hmm. very naturally for them to be evangelists of the company. So how do you leverage that hundred to then go get another hundred? And you know what I'm saying? Right. And so, because you cannot individually do it, right? You need a lot of help on the ground. So it's a, it's very much about interpersonal skills, interpersonal skills, communication, and then of course, the ability to, be organized and systematically run a program because at the end of the day, it's not just about feel good, right? You asked about what is this actually in the service of? How are you measured? You still have to show why you're drawing a paycheck, right? So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, uh, where you started funnily, I was just, I couldn't help making the connection that, you know, you have to be able to handle some of the quirks of uh, these individuals, each one. I mean, whether it's the influencer uh, outside of the organization or inside the organization. So in that sense, you can have the chocolate, but you will get some nuts. That's right. One size fits all, right? You really have to cater to each quirk and personality because within it is the magic right I, I if you think about our 65 there's no two people that are alike and and yet they are alike what's that no i said that you know there are no two people who are alike and yet they are all alike and i mean it's yes. a very peculiar kind of a yes. contradiction if you will you know so yes. uh, there's always something quirky about each one that's the nut part of it and yet 
That's the right. overall chocolate is the same, you know. So I yeah, totally get exactly. that. I love um, that. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much, uh, Rani. It's uh, um, if they need to connect with you, and where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm typically I, I'm I'm the most active. I would say I was it on Twitter. So Rani Mani O seven O seven, and then uh, LinkedIn, just Rani Mani on LinkedIn. Okay, R A N I M A N I O seven O seven. Okay, all right. I thought you would have chosen like James Bond zero 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 seven, but no. Gotta be different. Abhijit, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much, Rani, and it's been lovely talking to you. And I always feel that this is an area that I'm very, very sure in the years to come, employee advocacy is going to be one of the skills that uh, is going to get people hired into an organization. You know, the ability to be um, a spokesperson for the brand is such a powerful ability. Thank you so much for highlighting that for us. So appreciate your joining us and be in touch. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. We evaluate our relationships with others based on how we are treated when the other person had a choice. During the lockdown, the employers had a choice. They could either really treat the employees well and build a relationship of trust, or they could have turned it transactional. So don't forget to tune in. Every Wednesday, Dreamers and Unicorns 2.0 has been produced by HT Smartcast. To give it a listen, log on to htsmartcast.com or haan, aray, sunye zara se. Kya? फिर मिलते हैं जल्दी दिस वाज एन एचटी स्मार्ट कास्ट ओरिजिनल एचटी स्मार्ट कास्ट